Welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm your host, Julie Boyer, and I'm so excited to share with you some incredible interviews with wonderful entrepreneurs, business owners, and amazing people in my life that are practicing gratitude, self-love, and living with kindness. I also sprinkle in a few solo episodes, and occasionally you'll see family members join in for the fun as well. I have to tell you that there is a lot going on in this episode that makes me feel super uncomfortable. And talking about diet culture and trying to really break down all of the stuff that we've known to be true but actually isn't is a really powerful conversation that I'm having with Jillian Gertzen. So I'm excited to get into this episode, but before we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of what Jillian and I are talking about, I wanted to check in. Did you have a chance to check out my store since the last time you listened in? So I have a store at wakeupwithgratitude.com and in my store, I share my photography in many different ways. Not sure if you knew this, but I live on Vancouver Island. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. We have oceans and rivers and lakes and mountains and some of the tallest and oldest trees in the world right here in our backyard. And I have this huge passion for capturing the sunrise. Occasionally I capture the sunset, but I love sharing my photos with others. What I've done in this store is I've created a set of cards. So I've got two sets of different 30 days of gratitude cards. One set has the words of gratitude already written in the cards. And then the other set are blank inside. Now, the images on these cards are different. So you can purchase both sets and you can actually get a whole bunch of different cards to share. I also offer them in sample sets of six. So if you're not sure if you're going to send 30 cards, you can grab yourself a sample of six cards. So that's at wakeupwithgratitude.com. I'd love for you to check out my store and I'm really, really excited uh, to share my love and passion for photography, gratitude, and the sunrise with you. On this episode of the podcast, I'm very excited to welcome back Jillian Gertson. She's the founder of Super You Studio, and she's also recently become an intuitive eating counselor. Now, Jillian has appeared on several episodes of the podcast before. We did one most recently on about the COVID-15, so that is a good one to listen to if you want to head back to episode number 45. But Jillian published a blog that caught my attention a few days ago, and I said, you know what? We've got to get you on the podcast to kind of break down some of the things that you discuss in your blog. So if you're like me and you've struggled with diet culture and body image and gaining weight and losing weight and what this all means and how does it all work, you're in for a treat. This is a fantastic episode. We have so much to talk about and unpack, but we kind of kept it to three main topics for this episode. I guarantee you Jillian will return another time as a guest on the podcast, but for now, I invite you to join me to listen to this really great conversation that I have with Jillian Gertzen. Hello everyone, I'm Julie Boyer and welcome to the Wake Up With Gratitude podcast. I'm here with a now three-time guest, so welcome to Jillian. Hello, friend. Hello. I am so excited to have you back. Uh, Jillian Gertzen is the founder of Super You Studio. And she offers so many wonderful things to help you to manage your healthy lifestyle to the best of your abilities based on what you want to do and how you want to do it. She has actually just become 
an official intuitive eating counselor, which is really what our conversation is going to be about. But she also offers safe, socially distanced in-person classes. So um, I know you've got several running groups going on, but she also has an amazing virtual studio. So if you're still not comfortable meeting up with people to exercise, Jillian has the answer for you as well, really based on what you need as an individual. So I'm excited because we are here because of the blog and I printed out. I can't believe you printed it. It was long. (laughs) 10 pages. Was it really? Yes. It is called 10 ways diet culture is infiltrating our lives and minds and what we can do to take action to be informed, educated, and empowered in our bodies. My friend, what prompted you to write this really huge and such an important blog? Okay. Well, the more I've gotten into my practice as an intuitive eating counselor, the more I have done, really dove in, dove in, that's not a word, dove into this work and into the research, the more I got kind of angry and I got kind of frustrated, like, oh my gosh, I feel like we've been sold this bill of goods that, you know, that being in a bigger body is our fault and that we, we must, uh, we must, we have this moral obligation to change our bodies and to shrink ourselves into this idealized image of a body. Um, and I just, the research is so abundantly clear that that is not the case. And in fact, all this effort we're putting into, into making our bodies smaller is actually not only not effective, but it's actually counterproductive to our health. So if we actually are striving for optimal health, we actually need to take weight and like throw it out the window and completely disregard it. Um, And I know that sounds like really kind of outlandish if you've been living in the current culture we're in, which we all are, when we live in this diet culture that tells us all these things that, you know, obesity is killing us, we have a war on obesity, and that we need to, you know, we need to be more mindful of this, and that, you know, belly fat is bad, and all of these things, there's actually not a lot of science that is very conclusively proving that. And there's a lot of science that says, actually, do you know what's worse for us? is all the things we're doing to avoid the obesity and to move our bodies away from our natural state of being. So, I mean, I could ramble on for hours, Julie, as you know, but that was what the impetus was. Um, I actually had just finished Christy Harrison's new book, uh, which is called Anti-Diet. Phenomenal book, highly recommend everybody who's listening reads that if you're at all intrigued by this conversation. Um, Christy Harrison is a, a dietitian a Hayes informed uh, health at every size informed dietitian, as well as she came from the space of being a journalist. So the book is really well written. It's very evidence-based and is very compelling and a little angering (laughs) in the right way. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely excited to read it. And I have to say that when your blog came out, because I get your newsletter, which I love. So, you know, I have both have newsletters that come out basically on the same day now. So fun. And we both always reply. We're like, I love what you did there. And you're like, I love what you did there. (laughs) we're really aligned, but we're talking about different things. And that's why I love having you as a guest is because you talk about things that I'm thinking about and I'm curious about and I'm uncomfortable about, and I don't know how to put it into words. You are an excellent writer. And this, can you just repeat again? Cause you said that really quickly. What is pace? 
again? Yes. So Haze is health at every size. So health at every size is a philosophy that we bring to our practice as health coaches, as medical professionals, um, anybody basically working in the health space is can come to it from a haze informed approach. And so what that means is that we are looking beyond the body and we're looking at someone's health at a much deeper level. We're making sure that that person feels respected, that, that we, um, you know, we celebrate diversity, that we don't um, have this thin ideal and we're not placing this thin ideal up on this pedestal. So it's really about uh, patient centered focus and really our client-centered focus in my case and really helping that client really coming from an from a health first right. priority yeah. yeah and that's important too because you talk about different how someone who's overweight can have an excellent blood pressure and someone who's thin can have terrible blood pressure Absolutely. it's not necessarily one goes with the other it does sometimes but we'll talk about causation and all that i mean a bit yeah. So I'm going to grab a few points from your amazing blog. If we went through all 10, we would be here for a couple of hours, but <laughs> this podcast is usually about 30 minutes long, although they've been getting a bit longer lately because as I get to know my guests better and as we get to dive into these juicy conversations, I don't want the conversation to end. Yeah. So your number one thing, which strikes such a chord with me in so many ways, number one on your list is before and after photos. Why is this something we want to maybe stop doing? Yeah, you know, we uh, I'm I'm pretty kind of like about it. <laughs> we really need to, and it's I mean, again, I come from the fitness industry, right? So um, that it's pervasive in the fitness industry. It's pervasive in the diet in diet industry. Um, and what what a before and after is really ultimately telling us is that before we lost the weight, before we made these changes, that we weren't as valuable. And that, that the after is the optimal. And that it's really, so it's reinforcing thin ideal. And it's really like what, and so there's layers to this. So, you know, what happens when that individual, you know, if we just look at the stats, the reality is that the majority of people who lose weight on a diet or a fitness program or clean eating or whatever we want to call it now, <laughs> um, the majority of people at some point will resume old habits and re, re, regain the weight that they've lost. Um, so the reality is that most people's before picture will become their, again, current picture at some point. Yeah. And so when we continually celebrate this before and after, what happens, how, how does that impact the person when they regain? Are they not as valuable? Are they not to be celebrated? And so there's that, there's that level of, you know, the thin ideal and like, how does that make people feel? And then what about the person who is feeling pretty good maybe about their body and, and they, they actually feel more reflected in the before picture than the after picture. How does that impact their self-worth? You know, pictures on their own <laughs> as a whole other level is why are we even focusing on the pictures? I mean, I know we need to, especially in marketing, we need something to grab the eye and get and, and draw us into to get engaged into the copy. But when we continually use imagery um, that reinforces a specific type of physicality that says has no bearing and no reflection on that person's health, as you said earlier, like someone can be in a bigger body. And I have several clients like this, that they're in a bigger body, but their health metrics, like they'll go to their doctor and be like, man, you're like, you're an athlete. Yeah. Like 
your, your health metrics are all like your blood sugars are awesome. Your uh, blood cholesterol is great. Your blood pressure is, did I say blood pressure twice? Blood glucose and blood pressure and yeah. blood um, cholesterol. Like those are the metrics that matter more, but we, as a culture, we're so obsessed by body weight. Well, and the package. And the package. What does the package look like? Yeah. So we had an interesting conversation because we are both Ironman triathletes. And my first Ironman I did, I trained for an Ironman. So I trained for triathlon for six seasons before I did an Ironman. And I never lost a Like I never lost any weight. I didn't. Yeah. I was training for Ironman. I never lost any weight. Yeah. And then in between Ironman number two and three, I changed the way that I was eating. I did a really drastic lifestyle change. I learned what high glycemic eating was, which I do think is not good, at least for me, it doesn't feel good. I mean, yeah. I'm just processing the sugar too quickly, not healthy for me, for sure. And so I made these really drastic lifestyle changes. Did a third Ironman at a much smaller body, a very small body, and it was better for my Ironman to do that. But over time, I've had a child, I'm no longer able to train, I don't think I'll ever run again, and my body size is pretty much the same as it was back when I did Ironman number two. Mm -hmm. And have my eating habits gone back to the way they were before Ironman? Not really, but any changes that I make don't really seem to affect my weight anymore. And so I was like struggling with this, you know, I, for so many years shared the Ironman before and after picture that built my business for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And now here I am, I'm like, but now I'm in a body that is kind of like my before picture. Is that okay? Like, I don't, I don't know. Is it? Right. Yeah, sure. Like, can I show pictures of me looking the way right. that I look today? Well, according yes. to you, yes. <laughs> and so here, here's, the, I think you've hit on a few things, Julie, that I think are really important. Um, you know, our bodies, and, and the, the biggest one is that I want to talk about like set weight set point. And I actually didn't get into that in this blog. Um, but I don't think so. At least we like, there was a lot in that blog. Um, but we all have a genetically defined blueprint for our body's set point weight. And when I say set point weight, I mean a range. It's not like a, you're supposed to be XYZ weight and you're meant to be that for the rest of your life. Number one, there is no kind of body composition that we're meant to maintain for the duration of our lives, which is another huge, huge issue here is that especially as women and men, I know you feel this too. So I'm just not, I'm not just, I tend to work more with women, um, but men experience this too. But most women, the, the experience we have is that it is celebrated if you can wear your jeans from high school. It is celebrated if you can wear your wedding dress 50 yep. years later. And, and it's hogwash. Like genuinely, our bodies are actually meant to, it is protective of, for our bodies to have more body fat as we, for example, enter perimenopause hello, I'm in perimenopause and my body has gained some extra body fat in the last couple of years. I haven't changed my eating habits dramatically. I haven't changed my um, exercise. I haven't changed anything dramatically in my health, but my body is slightly bigger than it used to be. And that is okay. And so one of the things that we need to understand is that we have this set point range that, you know, tends to shift with age and that's okay. And that within this set point range, it doesn't act, you know, your body is actually going to actively work pretty darn hard to keep you in that set point range. So can you get lower than your set point range through extreme amounts of exercise and 
really stringent food rules, 100% you can, but it's going to be pretty hard to maintain. And probably the things that got you there are probably not sustainable living habits. They probably don't offer you a lot of flexibility. So what happens is that over time we get back into our set point range. But then because of diet culture, we're like, but I I was thinner then and I want to get back there. How do I get back there? And so this is this conundrum that we're in is that it is possible to be lower than your set point range, but realistically your body is probably going to bounce you back to your set point range. So we need to come to a greater acceptance of our natural healthy weight and to recognize that a bigger body for you might be your healthy weight and it's okay. It's okay. So yes, Julie, you should share those photos because you're amazing and you're healthy and you're active and you eat beautifully and you listen to your body. You're doing all the things and that's more important. Well, and the sign behind you says joy, right? Like, so this is the thing is like, we rob ourselves of so much joy. If we just micromanage everything that we eat, we're just robbing ourselves of joy. So, and uh, Julie, I can't help us go in here because I, I know in the article I talk about it, but there's a cost to that joy stealing. There's a cost to the stress we are experiencing from being pressured by diet culture to shrink our bodies, pressure to be on this rigid plan, this rigid program. You know, I think about in my, you know, deepest in my diet um, years, the amount of mental load I was putting into, you know, what I was going to eat, when I was going to eat, how much I was going to eat, you know, what was the timing of the eating and, and was that good enough? And when was I going to exercise and all of that, like, I even saying it, I'm like, I'm starting to sweat because it's like so much pressure. And we have to remember that that is stress and we mental, like mental, like the mental load of all of that. Yeah. And as women, we already carry a larger mental load, whether we have children or not, women are carrying a larger mental load. Yeah. So now we're adding all that in. And so this kind of leads me to the second point that I want to pull out of your blog, which is compensatory conversation. And I'm going to read what you said, because I love the way you said it. You said the notion that you have to earn your food or work off anything you can consume plays into this simplistic and inaccurate model of energy balance that has long been reinforced by the fitness and diet industries. Mm. This is one that I, for a long time was like, listen, calories in calories out is not accurate. It doesn't Mm. It's not like we know that if you know a hundred calories of lettuce and a hundred calories of chips does not have the same effect on your body, but this whole like reward notion, I'm sure that was part of when you were like doing your workouts and your thing, you're like, well, I can eat this because I'm going to do this workout. hundred percent. Yeah. I remember back in the day training for Ironman when I did it, which was when I was in my early twenties and we would like it was so much compensatory. Like we trained this hard. Let's go to McDonald's. Personally, McDonald's is not my, it's not my jam. It doesn't really appeal to me. Also, I'm now realized I now know I'm celiac. So there's a reason why I don't deal with McDonald's well, but you know, it, what was that fueling my body? No, I was, it was very much a, an indulgence because I've earned it. Yes. I felt the same. I would reward myself for my training. Yeah. I, I remember the sandwich that I used to make was my reward for my training. Yeah. And how many, like at Halloween, we see everybody like, this is how many times you have to go to Steermaster oh, yeah. for this long for your yeah. little candy. Nuh-uh. 
And so here's the thing. There's a couple pieces in there that I, I get into the in the article, but there's even more to go. There's so much, I mean, like energy in, energy out. There's so many areas of issue with energy in, energy out. Number one, a calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. And how you actually absorb, like how you uh, translate. So a food, you know, in terms of calories, and I, I always resist even talking about calories, but I think it's important to have this understanding of them. A calorie is a, is, a, is a molecule of energy. And so how we process that calorie is different from person to person. So this is one of the important pieces that people don't understand is that, you know, some people might eat, say, that 100 calorie whatever, and they're going to get, it's technically 100 calories by the math, but you may only absorb 80 calories of the 100 calories. Right. Okay. Because of how your digestive system is working, because of how your metabolic systems are working, mm -hmm. because of how um, your digestive, yeah, digestive processes, metabolic processes, and whether you have any like inflammatory. And just like there's so many factors at play here that we can't just, you know, and your metabolism, right? So, like, how quick is your metabolism? So, that calorie is different for every single person. So, it's just, there's so much. There's so much there, that. but it's letting go of that conversation that you must exercise yeah. to earn yeah. your food. Yeah. And that's the important piece here is yeah. that like, not only can we not look at the calories in, in that kind of too mathematical way, it's not that simple. The other piece is that you don't have to earn your food. You can, we need to uncouple these ideas that exercise and nutrition are like, interwoven pieces of the puzzle that we exercise you know today i choose joy is what my picture actually says and so my my philosophy is that we need to bring joy back to movement that we need to move in ways that inspire us that get us excited that we are uh um, passionate about and or that we can at least enjoy at some level so that might be you know, uh, because we're walking with a friend and we get to have a conversation that might be because we love dancing and now we're doing Zumba or whatever it is, it's finding ways to bring joy to the practice. And then on the other side, we want to eat. We want to eat to nourish our bodies and nourish our souls and have an enjoyable eating experience. And you don't have to do one to do the other. You don't have to earn your food. Oh yeah. That's a tough one to let go. I think that's really been really drilled in our heads for so long. So, Oh, absolutely. Even look at how you, how things are like devilish black cake and yeah. like, you know, sinfully delicious. And like, there's all this morality tied into the verbiage we use around food that ties in and reinforces that we have to have to earn, like, like hashtag earned it. Like, no, not well, hashtag earned it. Hashtag I'm awesome and I can eat whatever I want. And the also, the, I mean, for I let go of the label clean food a long yeah. time ago because that yeah. makes no sense. I'm like, how does it even mean? Well, this is the whole thing about clean eating is that defined by what? Like, what is clean? Like, again, that's going to be different for every person. And if you have a healthy relationship with the, the label clean, then I just maybe call it eating. <laughs> <laughs> just eating food. Just exactly. Eating. So, Okay. Lots to think about now. Are we re rewarding ourselves for exercise with food or yeah. are we actually genuinely joyful in the activity and joyful yeah. in the food? Okay. The last one that I want to talk about, which is big because in social media, this is a big one, which is complimenting, complimenting that is body focused and yeah. not trait focused specifically. Okay. 
Yeah. The culturally accepted tendency to offer compliments when someone has lost weight. Absolutely. So part of it is that it, it circles back to, you know, the first piece that we talked to that we're really celebrating and with this before and after that someone has lost weight or we're complimenting about it. We're again, we're reinforcing the thin ideal. We're reinforcing that thinner is better, that thinner is healthier, which is actually not true at all. Because in many cases, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that in a second point. So we're reinforcing all of this. Yeah. We're also really re-engaging all this diet talk, right? So it's like that water cooler talk of like, oh, tell me more. You lost weight. What did you do? And like, again, diet culture. And you don't know for whom that's in your presence that's going to be triggering. You know, is there somebody that you don't know that's in your presence that or maybe it's on, on your social media feed that has an eating disorder that um, that kind of information is going to be very, very unsettling to them and might actually trigger them into a spiral to to re-engage with their eating disorder behaviors. So there's so much going on there. The other piece of the puzzle that I wanted to speak to was being thin does not equate being healthy because sometimes we see someone who's lost weight. Yes, thank you. That's where I wanted to go. Yeah. That and that's the piece. And we have the the assumption is when somebody is complimenting someone on their weight loss that they, that they've intended this weight loss. Yeah. How many people do we know that have under extreme stresses lost weight? You know, some people have gained weight in this pandemic. Some people have lost weight and both are very natural responses to stress and neither should be celebrated. They just are. Well, and I've had friends with thyroid conditions that were undiagnosed and out of control yeah. and they lost weight dramatically and, yeah. you know, getting compliments all the time about looking so thin. And that person's like, I don't feel very good. I and they don't know horrible. why, because yeah. they're not trying to lose weight. And so yeah. this like ability, like even someone said to my daughter, not on purpose, but that, cause she grew. Yes. She looks like she lost weight. Cause right. She, a little rounder because she was, you know, kids are supposed to be like, I just do this. They go this, they do that. And then they go that. So, and I was like, and the person was not in by any way, shape or form trying to be negative to my child at all. She just said, Oh, you lost weight. You got taller. And I was like, yeah, we don't really focus around weight too much. We don't have a scale, but she definitely got taller. And then my daughter picked up the whole thing about the COVID-15. Oh, we yeah. jokingly said that our dog had gained the COVID-15. Our dog has gained weight because we were giving him too many table treats. Okay. That's why our dog got fat. <laughs> and so then my husband joked about the dog gaining COVID-15. And then my almost 10 year old was like, well, what's the COVID-15? Right. So now she tells people my dog lost the COVID-15 or gained the COVID-15, but I lost it because I grew. And I'm like, okay. Right. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, that conversation. Right. And so here's the thing. We, we just don't, the bottom line is we just don't know why people have changed shape and we can't make that assumption. And with regards to your daughter, like really like, you know, I, I, from my, my perspective, I think just having an honest conversation about, you know, why bodies change and bodies evolve with time. And that as you're growing, you might, you know, your body's going to change and we don't want to focus on weight per se that, that are, it's natural for bodies to evolve over time. And it's actually really healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have a scale. We don't for a long time. I mean, for a long time we celebrated her gaining weight, like, right. You know, you want your child to gain weight. Like really when you're, when your child's fairly young, if they're losing weight, we're concerned that there's a health condition. Absolutely. 
So we trained her in that way. And then we just don't have a scale anymore. We haven't had one for a long time. So she doesn't really know how much, but so we focus on, you're so tall. You're so strong. Look at you. Right. Again. So getting into the traits. So it's like, you're strong. You're, Oh, I can see you're having so much fun playing that sport. Or, you know, I know she's really into gymnastics. So it's like, you know, I, I know, I love how much joy you show when you're doing your thing. And how and much so flexible, yeah, <laughs> right? And so focusing on, or or like if you have a friend, and this is where people get like, well, what do I say to that friend that I know yeah. that they're kind of hunting or they're kind of fishing for that compliment because they've lost weight intentionally? What do I do with that friend? Because I don't want to cough, I don't want to comment on it because I don't want to feed into diet culture. That's when you're like, you know what? I can tell you've been working really hard on shifting. Like if you know that they've been shifting their health habits intentionally and one of the outcomes is that their body has changed a little bit you can acknowledge the work without acknowledging the outcome and still help celebrate what they're doing without reinforcing diet culture hey i see that you're really focused on nourishing your body or wow you have so much energy now it's so great to see you so energized and full of joy for your life yes like talk about joy and people smile and their eyes are lighting up yeah try to focus there i try to focus on oh it's so nice to see your beautiful smile you just look really happy i know that they still might be a little disappointed ultimately we've just been so trained to focus on weight loss Mm -hmm. it is so pervasive in our culture that we comment and it's seen as such a tremendous compliment such an achievement to lose weight and so part of unraveling in that and unhooking ourselves from that is stopping doing it and it's hard it's hard yeah listen as we wrap up this really it's like the tip of an iceberg of a conversation so a couple things i want to mention that are really important first Check out the blog, which I will absolutely be linking to that. The book that you mentioned at the beginning, tell me the name again. Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison. You have a list too. You actually gave us a whole list of books we can look at, including, uh, I heard a rumor that you wrote a fantastic book. (laughs) Yes, I I have my own book as well. It's funny, as I've taken the deep dive into intuitive eating and more of anti-diet there's pieces of actually of my own book that I would change now which is an interesting place to be in um which maybe just means I need to write a second one but um but yeah I'm still really proud of it there's a lot of content in there that is so in line with intuitive eating so in line with a body positive approach a haze informed approach to a healthy lifestyle so we have this very complimentary way of thinking. And I think it works really well together because we help, we look at things from different angles and we both come back to gratitude always because that's the, to me, that's the like number one step in terms of having a healthy body image and a conversation about our bodies. It's just being grateful for our incredible body, for our heart that is beating. That's how I finish all of my live stream classes is hand on heart, three breaths of gratitude for our bodies. You know, our first breath of gratitude for everything our bodies just did our second breath of gratitude for everything our bodies do for us every single day and our third breath of gratitude for everything that is wonderful in our lives. When we finish a class that way, you can't help but go forth and have an amazing day because you're grounded in this sense of like, oh my gosh, this body of mine is awesome. And now I get to go do cool things with this awesome body of mine. Isn't that a gift? It is. I adore you so much. (laughs) Okay. Now we're going to, we have something really cool that we just came across five minutes before the podcast. And it is something that just came out for Canada. 
in the uh, CMAJ, which is a, a clinical practices for Canadian physicians. And it is obesity in adults, a clinical practice guideline. Now, neither of us have had time to go through it, but what's really important is this talks about a lot of the things that Jillian points out that are wrong with our diet culture. And one of them, it says, people living with obesity face substantial bias, bias and stigma, mm -hmm. which contribute to the increased morbidity and mortality independent of weight or body mass index. <laughs> I mean, this is, you know, obesity care should be based on evidence-based principles of chronic disease management and must validate patients' lived experiences move beyond simplistic approaches of eat less, move more, and address the root drivers of obesity. Are you excited to dive into this? I really can't even wait. <laughs> like, it's like feeding all of my, my, yeah. geeky, my geeky channels of love, yes. This is so good. So we, we haven't been able to get into this, but what we've seen so far is that what Jillian wrote, there's actually change happening right now in Canada. And that to me is so exciting that yeah. There is starting to be a shift and an understanding and it's going to be a big one. It's like big and it's going to take time. And I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you, you live in a bigger body and you've been to your doctor and your doctor is still encouraging you to lose weight and move more and really focusing on that and not doing it in a respectful way, not connecting with you as a person first. Yeah. That, you know, I would encourage that you to get them to read health at every size you know, maybe actually embrace, like talk to them about the conversation of, you know, hey, I'm really trying to take a, a haze informed approach, a health at every size approach. Can we focus less on my weight? Can we focus more on more on my health, health behaviors? Yeah. yeah. And maybe that person does need to hire someone like you to talk to. Yeah, for sure. Because that you might know, be where the conversation, their doctor might not be able to help them. Yeah. They might not know about these new guidelines or anything yet. Yeah. It's brand new. And maybe right now what someone needs is your support. So Jillian, where do we find you? What's the best place to connect with you? Yeah, for sure. The best place is to, you can head to superu.ca. And if you're specifically looking at my online, so that's, that's just my general website for all the things I do. Um, but if you're looking specifically for my online group coaching program, that is superustudio.com. Just and <laughs> you are on Facebook and Instagram yeah, and totally. on Twitter. So are we searching for Jillian Gertzen or are we searching more for Super U? Or um, on Instagram, I am Jillian Gertzen. On Facebook, I am Super U Fit is the, the handle. Awesome. And I retweet your stuff all the time because I'm on Twitter. Oh, thanks. All right, my friend, loved our conversation. Thank you so much for right. just bringing up the uncomfortable things that we all need to talk about more. I really encourage everyone to make sure you read Jillian's blog, at least, you know, just maybe even the just top 10 and, and take a look and see how that's affecting you personally. And I inspire you to make some changes based on some of the things we've shared today. Thank you so much, Jillian. My friend, you did it. You made it all the way to the end of the episode. Thanks for sticking around. I would love it if you take the time to subscribe to the podcast so that when new episodes are released, they're automatically downloaded so you can listen to them anywhere you are. It would really mean the world to me if you would give this podcast a five-star review, should you think that I deserve it, on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for taking the 30 to 90 seconds to share your rating and give a little review of the podcast. It helps other people to know if they should be listening to this podcast or not. 
And of course, if you've listened to this far, I know it's made a positive impact in your life. So if it's helped you, do you think you could share it with a friend? Who do you know who could use just a little bit more gratitude and inspiration in their life? And finally, if you're like me and you love talking about gratitude and being grateful and sharing all things related to gratitude, please join our community on Facebook. You can find us under Groups Gratitude Ambassadors, and we'd love to welcome you into our community. Thanks, and we'll see you at the next episode.